Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. All right, open up your Bibles to anywhere you would like. We're going to be from the old to the new this morning. And um, the best is yet to come. It's been stirring in me for the last uh, several weeks, actually back at the beginning of the year. And I literally laugh when Holy Spirit kind of dropped this word in my spirit because I I had just been diagnosed with COVID. The best is yet to come. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm coming through that. So, and, and many of you, most of you have been through it. And uh, thank God for the word through it and not camping out there. Amen. So, as I meditate on this uh, word, this title, uh, boy, Holy Spirit just started just flowing things into my spirit. And uh, so, I'm going to start today and finish whenever we finish. Amen. Let's pray. Father, Your word is mighty, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, divides between that which is right in our life and that which is wrong. We don't want the wrong. Father, we want the right in our life. We want to believe you for your every word and declare it to be everything that you said it to be, no matter what it looks like in the natural. Father, as you were faithful to Abraham and to Isaac, as you were faithful to Moses in the wilderness, as you have been faithful throughout all generations, help us as a people to be so saturated with your word, by your spirit, by our time in worship and prayer, that we will truly believe the best is yet to come. In our lives, in the life of this church, in the life of the kingdom, in what you're going to do on the face of the earth that we get to be a part of. And so open up our, today, Lord, our ability to hear. Your word says if we will have an ear to hear, we have the right to hear. And in hearing, it will produce in us faith and hope. And so today, I thank you for that. And I just ask for your anointing to be rich upon your word in my heart, in my mind, in my spirit. In Jesus' name, everybody said a big amen. amen. So the best is yet to come requires a few things on our part. God has done his part. Jesus has done his part. The Holy Spirit is doing his part by living in us, residing in us, never forsaking us, teaching us, helping us to overcome every circumstance and situation that we find ourselves in. But there are things that we have to do uh, as disciples of Christ, and you're hearing that word a lot this year, disciples of Christ. Some of us have been uh, nurtured and trained and discipled by someone uh, that's a little further down the road than we are, and that is wonderful. Some folks in here uh, have yet to be discipled. You're just kind of walking your journey, and, and the truth of the matter is you need some help. You need an overseer. You need a mentor. You need a father or a mother uh, to help you on your path. And uh, as, as we come to the revelation of these things and begin to walk in them, we will find ourselves growing uh, with a hunger and a thirst for more of the kingdom. I, I'm, I'm a month or two away from being 65 years young. That happened really quick. The other day I was playing in a golf tournament with a bunch of pastors and missionaries, and uh, the young bucks 
didn't think it was fair that us older guys got to go up one notch. I'm like, you have to live a long time to get to the place where you get to move up. I don't feel guilty about it. Matter of fact, at the end of the day, when they announced the winners of the long ball drive, I won. <laughs> of course, the young bucks had to throw in that he got to go up to the senior tee box. And I said, yes, sir, I deserved it. I lived a long time to get here. I have earned it, and you cannot make me feel bad. I can't help it if y'all hit the ball further than I did, but out in, the, out in the bushes, mine was straight down the middle of the fairway. Come on, somebody. So there are things that we have to do, and uh, I want to give you four real quick and some scriptures that go with it. There are four things that I believe that the Lord wants us to walk in, and the first one is to really begin to believe in our heart and spirit that we are supposed to go from glory to glory. Not glory to bad, but glory to glory. It's interesting this morning that I'm bringing this word because in the middle of the night we got a text from our son Luke that he was having to go back to the hospital. He had fever. Some things were happening in his body. He spent last week a few days in the hospital and he needs a touch from God in his life right now. And we've been praying that. And yet as I thought about him and prayed for him at 2.33 in the morning when Suzanne and I woke up at the same time and got the text, immediately my thought went to this title, and immediately there was a decision to be made. Is this word still relevant, or is it not? The word's still relevant. Doesn't change by what we go through. Doesn't change by the circumstances. Bad things happen. Difficult things happen. But the Word of God never changes. And the promise found in 2 Corinthians 3.18 and Romans 8.18, write those down, read them later, is that we are to live in that place where we're going from glory to glory. Believing, what, whatever that means. Some of you are saying, well, I don't even know what it means to go from glory to glory. Well, I believe the Lord wants you to know what it means. Get in his word and find out. Amen? I'm not going to give you your answer for you because I don't know what it is. For me, it's to keep on living. I walked in, Suzanne and I walked into a meeting this week that we were invited to down in Miami, missions.me, and, and it's predominantly a whole bunch of young pastors, which I love hanging out with, and there were a few older people, even a couple older than us, and, and we got to hang out with them, spend some time, and, and uh, hear the difference between the older guys where we are, what we're hearing, what we're thinking, what we're walking out, and the young guys, and, and I love where the young guys are. I love their vision. I love their passion. I, man, I, I just was motivated and encouraged by all these guys that are wanting to give their lives to the kingdom of God. They're, they're wanting to come to that place. They believe the best is yet to come. They've seen a lot of amazing things, and yet it's nothing compared to what we're going to see. Can you say amen to that? The second thing is we have to come to the place where we believe that old has passed away and new has come. The old in your life has passed away. The new has come, is coming. Everything about God is newness. The, the steadfast love of the Lord is new every morning. 
Every morning, man, I just receive the fullness of the love of God in my life and realize that if I'm going to walk in victory today, it's going to be because of the love of Jesus Christ that's been in me, cleansed me, healed me, delivered me, set me free. And I do not have to allow the old, the bad, the negative. How many of y'all did one bad thing before you got saved? Let me see. (laughs) One hundred bad things. Some of you are like, no, I compete with Paul as being the worst sinner of all. So I know some of your stories. I agree with you. (laughs) Some of y'all win. (laughs) But we don't stay there, right? And when the enemy comes, especially in the wee hours of the morning, begins to remind us of all of our past, we need to remind him, as old Carmen used to sing, of his future. Amen? We need to remind him. We, We know where our destiny is. See, I've already won. If I don't quit, I've won. I like that. I wish every golf game was like that. Just go out and number one tee, go, I win. Guy's like, no, we haven't even teed off yet. But the other day, the other day we played on the fifth hardest course in the state of Florida. And, and there were a few groups ahead of us. And after a little while, we couldn't see those groups. And we're thinking, man, we feel like we're playing fast. We're down the middle. We're hitting the ball. But those guys have disappeared. And finally, Carlos, the, uh, the, 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 the whatever you call him, he came by with waters and Diet Cokes. And, and I said, Carlos, where are the guys ahead of us? Are we that slow? Oh, no, pasta. He said, he said, they quit. <laughs> some on number three and some on number four. They said the pool is where they're going. I said, all right, I'm going to win something today. I not only won longest ball, I won closest to the pin. You'd think I'd been golfing a lot. My ball was barely on the edge of the green. Matter of fact, when I hit it on the par three, the, the little marker there where you put your name was right on the edge of the green because we were one of the first ones to come through. And, and my ball was like three inches onto the green. And I said, I ain't messing with that. And, and Gary, the guy that was playing with me, precious guy, older guy, 18 grandchildren under 10. Come on, somebody. Just had a set of twins. He looked tired. <laughs> He was on vacation. I said, with the kids or without the kids? He said, with the kids. I said, no wonder you look so worn out. But Gary said, no, no, I'm putting your name on. I said, Gary, it's three inches onto the green. I won. (laughs) There was some bad golfers playing that day. (laughs) $150, man, for the kingdom. Come on, somebody. So old has passed away, the new has come, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. The third one is, oh, I love this one. My latter days are going to be greater than my former days. You got to grab hold of that in the middle of the battle of your life. You got to grab hold of it and start believing it. You got to confess it until it becomes life in your spirit. Revelation chapter 21 verse 19. My latter is going to be greater. Doesn't matter what all I've done in the past. God has something in store for us. I, I have been consumed with a, with a, I hate to say the word burden because Jesus takes all of our burdens and our cares, but sometimes he gives us something that I tell you almost feels like a burden. But I have a passion to see this house, us, 
consumed with a fire, unlike anything we've ever known before. That what we've experienced in the past will be nothing compared to what God wants to do. Not just out there in the future, but here and now. I'm saying, God, if the best is yet to come, there are some things I need to get out of my life. How many of you, before I even get into this message, think you probably have one or two things you need to get out of your life? They're distractions. They're hindrances. Some of them is really good stuff. But it's a hindrance to what God wants to do in our life. If we want to see the greater, then we have to be willing to be obedient to the voice of Holy Spirit. A lot of head nod, but would you say amen to that? Amen. Number four, like my good buddy, who I've never met, <laughs> Tim Tebow, wore on his face during his gator days. Philippians 4.13. I can do how many things? All things through Christ. I don't know what that means to you. I don't even really know what it means to me yet. But this I know. If God said it, if Paul declared it, then whatever it is that we're going to walk through in the latter days, we can do it. Say, I can do it. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter how young you are. What matters is, do you have a resolve in your spirit, man, that says whatever Holy Spirit is speaking, I'm going to settle that thing, and I'm going to do it. I've started seeing, for me, places of ministry, first and foremost here. I love it. Every time I can stand up, I'm going to preach the next three weeks by the grace of God. But I also see a word coming both in our nation and in nations abroad that gives me great hope that the vision overcomes the report of the doctors. Amen? Yeah. Some of y'all have some reports from the banker. And you go, man, I wish I could do what God's called me to do, but I'm, I'm deep under. No, no, you got to start believing. First of all, there's a way out of the mess you've got yourself in. It's called obedience to the kingdom. Won't happen overnight. You didn't dig yourself that hole overnight, you're not going to get out of it overnight. Some of you got a marriage that you go, my gosh, if God would just kill this person I'm living with, it could settle all problems. I can't divorce them because it's just not right. But if God could just kill them, I'd be okay with it. <laughs> Don't look at your spouse right now. It's not, it's not the right time. But God doesn't want to kill your spouse. God wants to redeem your marriage. Come on, somebody. God wants to redeem your marriage so he can be glorified. I can do all things through Christ. All right, so I have a few things that uh, Holy Spirit spoke, and I'm going to give you these. And uh, I have six today, but I, was, I just went back and settled in my spirit. I wouldn't get past two. So... 
So I have the other uh, points, but I, but I only have the notes for one and two, and I might not get to two, all right? So the first one is this, concerning the best is yet to come. It's all based around right choices. Number one, right choices. If I ask you right now how many in here have made a bad choice already in your life, from the, from the babies sitting in this room to the oldest person in here, we all would raise our hand. And we all suffered consequences from the choices we made. It's not like I make a bad choice and I reap a good harvest. Jesus gave that example several times to the disciples when he's walking through and uh, he was hungry and the tree was supposed to be producing and it wasn't. So he cursed it and the next day it was all withered and, and uh, chopped, ready to be chopped down and thrown in the fire. It was of no, no use. Choices in our life will determine the outcome of will our latter days be greater than our former days? And the choices that we need to make might have to do with our family, our children, our parents, our finances, our marriage, our business decisions, where we vacation, how we vacation, when we vacation, and how often we vacation. Choices. Right choices versus wrong choices. Genesis chapter 3, I'm going to read this because I love this story and it's so relevant when I realize that in all the Bible, there are amazing illustrations of those who made right choices and reaped a right harvest, those who made bad choices and reaped a bad harvest. And you realize that sometimes other people make a choice that affects your outcome? Say, well, that doesn't sound fair. We are living the result of Genesis chapter 3, where the very first bad choice was made after creation. You know the story. Let me read it to us. Genesis 3 verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat? Of any tree in the garden. Now, I'm going to have a hard time just not even wanting to preach every verse of these seven because there is so much truth in every one of them. Since your salvation, since you're walking out the kingdom of God, how many times has the enemy come and whispered in your ear, is that what God really said? You, you, can, you, you can do this, nobody's going to see it. You, you can experience this, no, no one's going to know. And it comes down to, am I going to make a right choice? The enemy says, did God actually say? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the... You see, first of all, she doesn't immediately respond with the right answer. She starts justifying what she believed. And the woman said, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said... You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree, of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open. See, Satan was given a half-truth here. 
What he's saying is not a lie. It's part of Scripture. If you, if you pause there a second and jump over to the New Testament, a couple of the Gospels where it, it describes Jesus being led or literally driven into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to fast and pray for 40 days. And at the end of his fasting and prayer, when he's hungry and tired, this, the same serpent, Satan, shows up and he comes with half-truths. He, he, he's smart enough to know you don't just come and start throwing off anything. He comes with some scripture. The enemy will take some scriptures. That's why there's so many nuts, fruits, and flakes in the body of Christ. Because one, they're not in a good body, a good family, good church, good pastors, good connect group leaders to speak into their lives, and they get a hold of half-truths. And they run with it, and they become crazy. And everybody around them thinks they're weirdos because they are weirdos. Because they have allowed the deception of the enemy. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. Boy, if I were to ask, how many want to be like God in here? Not based on this, right? But based on Jesus Christ. I want to be like God. I want to be like my Father. I want to love unconditionally. I want to have a heart and a passion for the lost like I've never known before. I want to not reject people that are hurting. I don't want to roll my eyes and look down on the lost and the defeated and the, and the whores and the prostitutes and the whoremongers and, and all of those that are deceived. I don't want to look at them the way society tells me to look at them. I want to have the heart of Father God who is withholding sending his son to receive his bride because he still loves those who are hurting. Last weekend, Suzanne and I were with our friends, Francis and Susie and Fuso, and one morning during devotions, when I'd finished my devotions, um, a news clip popped up, and I told Suzanne later, I don't know why I've been so consumed with pain for this young lady, 30-year-old, a former Miss America that jumped out of a high-rise building in Manhattan and splattered her body on the ground below. 30 years old, beautiful, intelligent, a lawyer, master's degree, all the college you could get, had given years of her life after serving uh, as Miss America. She began to help those who couldn't help themselves. She began to do pro, bo pro bono work for the hurting and the lost. And then she goes to Manhattan and becomes a part of this television extra, which I don't know, I've never seen that, don't know what it is. But in a letter she wrote before she died, she said, the expectation of being fulfilled and happy when there's nothing but emptiness on the inside. I, I, I don't know what about that got a hold of me and reminded me once again, stop looking at those that look so successful around you and you think that they have it all together when they might have nothing but emptiness on the inside. What if someone would have reached that woman with the love of God? 
What if someone would have shared with her how important and valuable she was, not because she was beautiful, not because she was Miss America, but because she was a child of God? Imagine the pain of believing the lie of Satan. She looked in the mirror and saw beauty, but her inside was empty. So empty that she stood on a ledge and leapt to her death. How do you get that depressed? The pain of what a bad choice brings into your life. So when the woman, verse 6, saw that the tree was indeed good for food and that it was, uh uh-oh, a delight to the eyes even to look at it, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she ate, and she also gave some to her wimpy husband who was with her. Man, I thought Adam was a man until this point. And he took it and he ate it with her. And immediately their eyes were opened and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths to hide from God. Bad choice. Bad choices always lead to bad incomes. I'm here today to tell us we don't have to go from one bad choice to the next. We can reject bad choices by humbling ourselves before Almighty God and crying out, oh God, have mercy on me. In my weakness, I need you. And you know what? The promise of his word is he is there for us. And his Holy Spirit is there for us. So the first choice ever made after creation was a bad choice. That in 2022 today, we are living the results of. We're having to make decisions. We're having to pray over our children. We're having to guard our children. We're having to teach our children. We're having to proclaim to our little ones the kingdom of God. We're having to impart into their lives. And then pray. The Holy Spirit will saturate their little minds and spirits and hearts with the word so that as they grow older, they will not turn from the truth. And then we have to pray over ourselves, over decisions that we're making, families, marriages, relationships. And I believe with all that's within me that we do not have to go from bad choice to bad choice that we can start making righteous decisions. Because we pray over them, we confess them, we declare the word of God, we seek God's wisdom. The word says, if any lack wisdom, let him ask. And Father will give it liberally. He will will bestow it upon you. I don't know about you, but the last couple years I've been praying for a lot of wisdom. 
Matter of fact, this morning, I started praying for wisdom for whatever doctor is going to take care of my son. God, I need a doctor that cares about you, cares about his patients. I need a doctor that's walking in truth, has divine, divine wisdom that comes. It's, it's more than man wisdom. I need a doctor that knows how to deal with this and help it to be corrected. Isn't that the kind of doctor you want when you go in? You need to start confessing it and declaring it and praying and believing over it. Because... One thing I've found out over the last 26 months of my journey is nobody cares about my health more than I do. <laughs> there's no doctor. There's no nurse. As, and, and, I, and Suzanne, I can tell you, we have some great doctors and nurses out in Little Rock. I mean, they're, they, they, I told you all the story. Them, one nurse praying over me as she's pulling the, the, the whatever it was out of my chest. Man, that's a good feeling. <laughs> When somebody's praying in the spirit, they don't even know how to pray in English anymore or Spanish. They just went to praying in the spirit. Why? Because they needed the wisdom to know how to, to, to do this one. I don't, I'm not going to say simple procedure because <laughs> it wasn't simple. But we ask and we receive. Deuteronomy chapter 30. I want to read this one to you too. You know it. See, I have set before you today life and good. Say life and good. Death and evil. Say death and evil. If, say if. Say it again. Say it with conviction. If you, man, God's not playing around. I mean, God's serious about this thing. He's declaring, and we're going to get to the last verse, where God gives us the answer. I love that about God. He gives us the answer. He goes through these verses and he talks about all the good and all the evil. And in the end, he says to his children that he loves, choose life. Choose life. There have been times in all of our lives when we made bad choices and we didn't choose life. And every one of us suffered a consequence of that choice. You know what I want to get to? I want to get to the place where I am not reaping any more bad harvest from bad choices. Because somewhere back there, we started depending 100% on Holy Spirit. And we stopped making bad choices. That's good right there, even if Miss Chris is the only one that got it. Amen. I love that, Miss Chris. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply. The gamblings are multiplying. Then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Some of you say, well, Pastor, you're reading from the Old Covenant. Man, it's fresh and new for us today. There are things that God wants us to take possession of. Yesterday, I came up here to pray. I thought no one would be here, and I got here, and the parking lot was full of cars with women. So I locked them all out. 
of the auditorium and I stayed in here and I just felt the need after being gone for uh, a few days to, to be in this place to pray. And I walked around the auditorium. I went up down some of the aisles and I was praying, declaring and, uh, the kingdom of God and the things that we have been given, the, the, the promises of his word and saying, God, in everyone that comes in this room and everyone that's watching online today, if they can just hear the word and grab hold of it, no matter what they're coming out of, no matter what their battle is, right now, no matter what they're going through, no matter what the news is saying about our future, that we will make a choice to choose wisely. Amen. We'll make the choice to choose the kingdom of God. The other day, I, I read the article, many of you might have been following all the truckers up in Canada. Um, on a peaceful protest, and uh, I thought it was pretty cool what they were doing. And, and then we heard about the, uh, what's it called? The money thing? GoFundMe. There, there had been $10 million donated to these truckers. And GoFundMe, which I would encourage everyone in this room to never use again, make a choice. Why, Pastor? Because they thought they had the right because of their decision, I'm going to be nice, that they could take this money that had been donated and do with it what they wanted. And, and, and Susanna looked at each other and said, Is it, don't people go to jail for that? I mean, isn't that illegal that you take something that was clearly marked and you think you have a right? And did y'all hear? Governor DeSantis stood up and said, oh, oh, no, no, that's fraud. And immediately declared there would be an investigation and immediately, interesting, GoFundMe, GoFunded the truckers. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Righteousness. <laughs> Choices we make. And by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering. Verse 17, but if your heart turns away and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. This is where it gets real quiet in the church. Ooh. You shall not live long. This Yesterday I was reading, for all of you new people in the house, this is called a bunny trail. <laughs> and I spent 34 years of my life here chasing a lot of bunnies. <laughs> Most of them are good, and this one's a good one. Yesterday I'm reading in Exodus 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, and Moses has just led this griping, grumbling, whiny Israelites out of bondage. One miracle after another miracle after another miracle after another miracle. Miracles that you and I have never seen. And God says, Moses, goes into lengthy explanation. Don't even let the people Touch the mountain. I'm calling you up. Bring Joshua with you. 
At a certain point, he's going to camp out. You come up. I don't want anybody touching the mountain, God says. Don't even let your animals graze on the mountain. Don't even look at the mountain. And Moses goes up for 40 days. God explains to him how he's going to let him see him. But God says, Moses, I mean, yes, God said to Moses, Moses, you can't see my face. You can only see my backside. I'm going to put my hand over your face to protect you from peeking. Come on, how many of you would want to peek? I mean, I'm reading it and I'm wanting to peek. God, I want to see your face. Don't we cry out? Don't we pray sometimes, Lord, I want to see your face. You're not going to see his face and live. It's a good thing he doesn't show it to you. But he says, I'm going to cover your face. And when I go past you, you can see the backside of me. And then he says, this is the word I want you to take. He makes Moses do all the hard work. He says to Moses, cut out a stone. I'm like, like, does he have Home Depot tools with him? You know, he's up on the mountain. I want you to cut out a stone big enough, and I'm going to write on both sides of it. Actually, he said, you're going to write. I mean, he's up there chiseling. Sure, it's going to take 40 days. Man, it'd take me like a year just to get the thing out. And he gets it done, and God says, Moses, my people are messed up. And he starts saying all he's going to do to him. And Moses begins to intercede, making a choice. God, please don't do that. He intercedes for the people of Israel. He says, Lord, if you do that, the Egyptians are going to mock your name. You brought them out here to kill them. Please don't kill them. See, Moses hadn't seen what God had already seen. Then Moses goes down the hill and he wants to kill them. Matter of fact, he says to the Levites, I'm trying to wrap my head around this. He, he says to the Levites, take up your sword and go kill your father, your brother, your son that turned their eyes to the golden calf. And that day they killed 3,000. Wow. Don't you love living after Jesus came? I, I think I'd have been dead. Moses intercedes, makes a choice, lays it out. Then he has to go back up on the mountain again, go through it all over again. And he gets the word. But he made a choice to intercede, to stand, to fight. Why? Because in this, he says, I declare to you today, verse 18, that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you're going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life. Look up here, church. Choose life today. Make choices. Why? Because the best is yet to come. You, don't even, you can't even fathom what God yet has in store for us. Every chair in this room, I believe, soon is going to be filled on a Sunday morning. And then we'll have to go to a second service. Some of you say, oh, I don't like two services. Do you like lost people getting saved? Yes. 
I don't want to fill this place with a bunch of transplants. I want us to reach a lost city that we've been called to reach, to give our lives to. That's why we're alive. That's what our purpose is. It's not just to make money. It's not just to build new houses. It's not just to have new toys. It's not just to go on new vacations. We are alive today to do the work of the kingdom of God, go into all the world and save and preach the gospel until they're saved. And then they will follow us to the house of God. That's what we're called to. That's why I need to hang out with people that are passionate about lost people. That's why this weekend, Suzanne and I were down in Miami hanging out with people that are consumed. Man, there was so much vision casting, my head was about to explode. But you know what? My spirit was like, I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of this, whether it's in Cuba or Peru, or LA, or Houston, or Miami, or Africa, or China, wherever it is that God opens the door to give us an opportunity. I want the latter days of my life to be greater than the former days of my life. Therefore, God, what are you calling me to? What are you calling us to? Church, you got to have a greater vision than just getting old and dying. You got to have a greater vision. Man, what does God want for you? Yes, we have to work and we have to provide for our families and we have to love our husbands and love our wives and, and, and we have to love our neighbors. And we have to do all those things that are, that are radically important, but, but we got to be about winning the lost. We got to be. We got to be. Some of you say, well, it's just not my personality. Your personality cannot dictate your future and your destiny. What is it? Who is it? How is it going to happen? I believe God will reveal it to hungry people. Hungry, consumed with what he wants to do in our lives. Last one on choices, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 25 through 27 says, Let your eyes look directly forward. Everybody look directly forward. And let your gaze be straight before you. We were out on a boat the other day, and uh, with Francis and Susie, we had been blessed with a little day trip. And, uh, and the captain talked about, you know, if you get seasick, you know, do this and that. And, and immediately, I saw in Pastor Francis, his eyes were like, I said, Francis, you get seasick? He didn't want to talk about it. And I said, well, first of all, you're sitting in the wrong place. You don't want to be sitting sideways, and you don't want to be watching the the waves go up and down. You you, you want to get forward, and you want to keep your eyes straight out. And if you need to, nibble on some crackers. And get your mind off of being seasick, because the mind is where it begins. You got to keep your eyes out here. Some of y'all experienced that before. But hear me, in life, we got to keep our eyes out here. Ponder. I love this word. Mary pondered what she saw with Jesus. Ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Turn your foot away. 
Choices that you make will determine is the best yet to come in your life. Amen? It's a choice that we decide. Well, I'm going to move on and try to do part of number two. All right? Number two is this. No more distractions. We could be here a while. How many, have, how many of you deal with distractions in your life? Let me see a hand. Every hand's up. We, we all deal with distractions that distract us from doing the better thing. Sometimes good stuff is set in front of you, and it is a distraction because it's not the best thing. It's not the God thing. It's a good thing, but it's definitely not the best thing. And so we have to come to this place where we, again, cry out to God. Isn't it amazing how much we need to cry out to God for? Because we can't do it on our own. John chapter 17, verse 1, this is the Lord's prayer that he prayed before he went to the cross. I've never used these scriptures and this thought before, but as I was meditating on this, no more distractions, I came across this. Verse 1, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Say this with me. The hour has come. Say it again. The hour has come. Jesus looks up to the Father and says, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. The rest of that whole prayer is so powerful. And in John 17, 3, we find out where Jesus really reveals salvation, eternal life, is to know God. And the only way to know God is through his Son, Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. But he says this powerful word. And then in Mark chapter 14, Jesus, Mark's story of the Garden of Gethsemane and and what Jesus was going to go through before he went to the cross. Each one of them a little different. The flavor in this, Mark says in verse 32, and they went to a place called Gethsemane, And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go and pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed to the Father. And this was his prayer. If it were possible, the hour might pass from him. Jesus is crying out to the Father, and he said, Lord, if it's possible, could you accomplish your will without me having to go to the cross? Nevertheless, Verse 36, he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what your will is. 
And this is what I want us to grab hold of this morning. As individuals and as a church family, what is the will of God for our lives? Individually. And then together corporately. Because we're better together, we're stronger together, we can accomplish more together than we can ever do apart. Don't have time to preach that message, but you get it. And he came and again and found Peter, James, and John sleeping, and he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. See, Jesus was again warning Peter, Peter, you need to pray because temptation's coming your way. Sometimes in your prayer life, you come in and you just want, woohoo, God speak to me. And God says, you need to pray longer this week because temptation's coming. Well, that wasn't the prayer you were looking for. But that's how much he loves us. He warns us. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but I know that your flesh is weak. And again, he went away and he prayed, saying the same words. And again, he came and found them sleeping. For their eyes were very heavy and they did not know what to answer him. And he came the third time and said to them, are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. Here it is again. The hour has come. I believe Holy Spirit is saying to us in our church family, the hour has come. 2022, right here, right now. I believe the Lord is wanting to shake us to our core so that we don't walk out our Christianity as habitual, normal, this is the way it's always been. But that we truly begin to hunger and thirst for that which he has for us. Rise, let us be going, Jesus said. My betrayer is at hand. In Romans chapter 13, verse 11, says, besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. I believe the word of the Lord is speaking to us. The hour is here. It's now. I don't know what that means for you. I know for me, the Lord is doing a deep stirring. And I'm saying, Lord, I'm battling this. I'm facing this. I've got to make decisions over here about this. And he's saying, settle your heart in peace. Seek my face and I will reveal what you need to know. He loves you so much. He will never leave you as an orphan and he will tell you the things that you need to know. What do you need to know for the sake of your children? And I'm closing. What what do you need to know? This I can tell you. Start declaring for your own personal life. The hour has come. My hour has come. Everything else no longer matters the way it used to. I can tell you my life, things that once held a place no longer do.
becoming tighter and tighter, closer and closer. The circle's being drawn in. Why? Because there are things that I once gave my life to that have no eternal value. What holds your heart? Is it your possessions, your job, your name, your career? Don't find yourself standing at a ledge considering leaping unless you're going to leap in the arms of God. My hour, your hour, has come. What is the Lord wanting to do in you that's so absolutely crazy in the natural? If you can figure it all out, it's probably not God. But if it scares you to where you find yourself on your knees saying, God, however and whatever, use me. Use me. Your best is yet to come. God has a purpose, a plan, a future, a hope for every single one of us. But it boils down to me being willing to be obedient 100% to what God has for me. See, when Jesus declared the hour has come, he had been doing for three and a half years some amazing things. But those things were now over. No more trips to the desert. No more dinners at Matthew's house. No more trips up to the well waiting for a Samaritan woman. Jesus said, my hour has come. Man, everything comes into perspective. When all of a sudden those things that you once did that were good are no more eternal value. This is only a heavy word because we need a heavy word. God, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to each of these? That's what we want to hear. Amen? Why? So that soon, when our life on this earth is over, You realize that God knows your ending from your beginning? We all know our beginning. God knows our ending. We actually have an expiration date that you can't do anything about. What you can do something about is the dash. How many of you were around years ago when I preached living in the dash? That dash is where we are. Me, I got April 11th, 1957, dash. God knows. 20, long time from now. But I'm in the dash. So are you. I'm saying, God, let my dash count. Amen? I want my dash to make a difference in this world. Bow your head, if you will. Father, thank you that our best is yet to come. 
Thank you that as we focus on our destiny, the life that you have for us, the season, the times, the battles that we're going to face, battles worth fighting, are to bring us to a place where we say, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Help us. Help us this week to make right choices about what time we get up in the morning, when we pray, how much word we're going to read this week, how we're going to pray in the Holy Spirit, how we're going to worship you. Father, help us in the things that have eternal value to make right choices starting today so that we can with faith live our life with expectation that our best is yet to come. Deliverance, healing, salvation, restoration of marriages and families, finances. They're all a part of living out in obedience what you have for us. So I pray for those here this morning, those watching online. Speak to us. If that's your heart this morning, would you just say that out loud? Speak to me, Lord. Speak to me this week. Speak to me today. I have an ear to hear and a desire to do your will. I declare this in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, that is our declaration, and I ask you to help us. With every head bowed for just a moment, believers, would you pray? If you're sitting in this room today or you're watching online and you do not know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, John 17, verse 3, Jesus said that to know Him is eternal life. Today, if you don't know God, you've never received Jesus to be Lord of your life. I'm going to invite you to pray a simple prayer today. Ask Jesus to be Lord of your life. Invite the whole congregation. I, I want you to pray with me right now. And if, if this is you, by faith, you're declaring this today. You pray this, then you can come tell one of us the decision you made. Today, God loves you so much. He brought you here to hear this word. He has a plan for your life, a purpose, and it begins with salvation. Pray this with me. Father God, I'm a sinner needing a Savior. Today, I invite Jesus to be Lord of my life, to be my Savior. I repent. I confess. Forgive me, Father, of all my sins. Be Lord of my life. I choose you this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give the Lord a praise this morning. He's good and awesome. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.